Amen. Thank you, Ruth. Heidi, Abigail, appreciate that much. Job chapter number one, if you're joining with me there, Job chapter one. If you need a Bible, there is a pew Bible in front of you. We'd love for you to share that with you. If you grab that, you can turn to page 329 there in the pew Bible. And I'd love for you to follow along and join us as we study God's word this morning. Job chapter number one, join me there. Job chapter number one, it'll actually be in Job chapter one, Job chapter two. And so we'll kind of go back and forth there. The message or the title of the message this morning is simply this, how long will you hold Hold on. How long will you hold on? Job chapter 1, Job chapter 2 will be there in just a second, but let me share a little bit with you. Back in 2018, there was a Floridian, a, a native of Florida. His name was Rob Gursky. He went on vacation to Switzerland, and a uh, beautiful place to go vacationing, the Alps, the other mountains and things there. And uh, as he was there in Switzerland, he made up his mind that he was going to go hang gliding there in the mountains of Switzerland. That sounds like fun. I'm sure it'll be a beautiful view, uh, and so forth. Well, he, he, he did it. He decided, I'm going to do this, and so he got, uh, went to the place. He got hooked up, put his harness on, went next to the instructor, and they got on the hang glider, and uh, they took off from the top of the hill or the top of the mountain and about to go off. Immediately, it became very obvious that something was greatly wrong. That something that was greatly wrong was the reality that the instructor had forgotten to hook his harness up to the hang glider. So Rob Gursky, the Floridian, he, uh, he was hanging by his arm, hanging, as you see the picture, hanging by the instructor this way and hanging on with one hand the other way. He was that way for four minutes before they could land. You could see the view. This is just them taking off. Over that four minutes... His strength left him, and he slowly slipped until, and I wish I had a picture of it. I've seen a video, actually. They have a video of it. And uh, he grabbed, he was at the, at the end, he was grabbing the pant leg with one hand and the handrail with the other. Now, may I submit to you, I dare say Rob Gursky was hanging on for dear life. The fall would have killed him in most of it because, as you see here, they went up and over those trees. You see the city, and if you can see it in the picture, there's a city down there. They went over that city in the four minutes and everything else, and he's hanging there. Most amazing to me is this is what he said afterwards. Uh, He said this. The interviewer asked, are you going to go hang line again? He goes, yeah, I think I'll try it. Crazy man. People in Florida are just crazy, folks. He honestly, he did. They, they, he got, after four minutes, they came to a clearing uh, where the guy could kind of slowly get it down. He fell. In falling, he broke his wrist, but that was it. And what could have been, that, that certainly is better in comparison. Reality was this. This is kind of amazing to me. He actually found out later he had a torn bicep from hanging on for four minutes. And he literally had hung on for life. I'll tell you, I don't think I want to ever go hang gliding. If I do, uh, I, I want to do a double check and a triple check of my harness, make sure. In fact, you can see it on the picture here. His harness, oh, I'm sorry about that. His uh, harness is attached to his own harness right there. That thing is supposed to be up on the hang glider, okay? So you can imagine, pretty scary, isn't it? I mean, you think about hanging on for dear life. Let me ask you this. How long would you hold on for? How long could you hang on for? I mean, it's something like this. You say, well, I mean, I, I, I'm, I'll never fall, never hang. Well, let me ask you this. Let's make a little bit more of an application. How long will you hang on in life? How long are you going to hang on for life? 
See, the fact is this. This was a, a harrowing situation, a difficult situation, no doubt. Now, listen to me. I'm not going to call this a, a, a second in the series from last week, but it very much is connected to last week's message. Are you going to be an, uh, an overcomer, or will you be overwhelmed by life? Today, I want to share with you some thoughts about how you and I can hang on and keep hanging on. In other words, it's the practical application of how I can be an overcomer and not overwhelmed in life. The things that come up, the things that we face. When we think of someone whose life is turned upside down, there's probably no one that we think more of than Job in the Old Testament. What really made him different than anybody else in how they handled things was Job's response. Now listen to me. We would describe Job as having done this. He continued hanging on. In chapters 1 and chapter 2, I mean, he was hanging on through the most difficult, most dire situations of life. He continued hanging on, just like we might say Rob Gursky did. He did not give in to being overwhelmed. Rather, he was an overcomer. You say, well, how, was, how did he do that? What was the big difference? First of all, I'd submit to you this. Number one, Job had a focused on truth response, not a feeling-oriented or emotional response. Okay, so don't miss that this morning because I honestly, I think a lot of our problems as people uh, are derived from having an emotional response to life and difficulties and circumstances and, and storms, a feeling-based or feeling-oriented response as opposed to having a truth-focused response. We'll see it play out here in Job's life. Notice it. There's several truths that he hung on to, that he, he, he clung to. He, he was not going to let go. The first is found in Job chapter 2 and verse 10. Look with me there, if you will. Job chapter 2 and verse 10. It says this. This is Job speaking to his wife. We'll, we'll, in, in the moment here, we'll detail the rest of this verse, but we're going to focus in on the middle part. But he said unto her, Thou speakest as one of the foolish women speaketh. What? Shall we receive good at the hand of God, and shall we not receive evil? Now, the great statement, here's what he's hanging on to. Don't miss it. The first truth that, that Job is hanging on to is this. I frequently have received much good from God. I frequently have received much good from God. He, he acknowledged, whoa, wait a second. I, I can't just dwell on some difficulties and circumstances. My thoughts have to dwell on this truth. I, I'm frequently blessed by God. I gain much from his hand. He is extremely good to me. And what's amazing this, don't miss it, Satan himself confirms it. Notice back in chapter 1, look at verse 9 and 10. Satan comes before God. Verse 8, God says, hey, consider my, my servant Job. Verse number 9, then Satan answered the Lord and said, oh, 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 oh. Doth, doth Job fear God for naught? Come on, God. Verse 10, hast not thou made a hedge about him and about his house and about all that he hath on every side? Thou hast blessed the work of his hands and his substance is increased in the land. My friend, it's true. Satan says to him, you put a hedge around him. You've been good to him is literally what he's saying. You protected his house. You protected his family. You prospered whatever he puts his hand to, his substance. He is blessed. See, Satan confirms it. Can I tell you if Satan were honest with you today, and I don't think he ever would be, but if Satan were honest with you today, he'd tell you, do you realize how good you have it? How blessed you are of God? Do you realize? Interesting, we see it's true. Look at verse 2, chapter 1. And there 
were born unto him, that's Job, seven sons and three daughters. His substance also was 7,000 sheep and 3,000 camels and 500 yoke of oxen and 500 she-asses and a very great household, so that this man was the greatest of all the men of the east. It was true. God had blessed Job. There's no doubt of it. There's no denying it. Uh, it's reality and, and, in, and in a tremendous way, and he had done so in response to Job's heart for following after God. Look at verse 1. Notice how Job is described. There was a man in the land of us whose name was Job, and that man was perfect and upright and one that feared God, and he eschewed or despised evil. Understand what's going on in Job's mind. Did he go through a tremendous time? Yeah, we'll look at it in just a moment. Difficulty, circumstance, the greatest storm any of us could ever imagine that we could face, and ours this past week would pale in comparison if we're honest. But as I have found out personally, as you have, the storm that you are in seems like the greatest you've ever faced sometimes, doesn't it? And so it was, certainly for Job, and, and he's facing this. But here's what the truth is. How can he say, wow, now the Lord has been good to me in the midst of this? I'll tell you right now, he is focused in his mind. He has, in his mind, the good that God has given him far outweighed any bad that happens. Important truth. Important truth. Because I'll tell you right now, your emotions and your feelings will run away with you if you ever let go of that truth. They will beat you up. They will run away with you. So Job, he hung on to it. And boy, Satan, I I mean, look at verse 21 of chapter 1. Here's his response. Here's what comes through that truth-embracing living. 21, he said, naked came out of my mother's room. Naked shall I return thither. The Lord gave, and the Lord hath taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. This morning, if God, if you walked home and your house was gone, your car broke down on the way home, you got phone call that all your family was gone, you lost all your earthly possessions, could you still say, The Lord giveth, the Lord taketh. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Because that's what happened to Job. He's describing himself, I've lost everything. Naked came out of my mother's room, naked I shall return. But you know what? There's a truth I'm hanging on to. God is still good. We'd like to say it around here, right? All the time, God is good. God is good all the time. So it is. He's hanging on to him. Boy, what was Satan trying to do? Don't miss it. Here's Satan's plan. Satan wanted to use difficult circumstances to move Job to stop holding on to the truth of God. Knowing that when if he lets go of that truth of God, then he's going to stop holding on to God. And the fact is this, he will stop holding back his emotions. He'll stop being a feeling-oriented person, someone who operates by feelings and how they feel and so forth and so on. Crucial. But Satan's trying. Satan's working hard. Look at verse number 13. Here's what he did. There was a day when sons and daughters, his sons and daughters, Job's, were eating and drinking wine in their eldest brother's house. There came a messenger to Job and said, The oxen were plowing, the asses feeding beside them, and the Sabians fell upon them and took them away. Yea, they have slain the servants with the edge of the sword, and I only am escaped alone to tell thee. First bad news, verse 16. While he was yet speaking, there came also another and said, um, The fire of God has fallen from heaven and hath burned up the sheep and the servants and consumed them. And I only am escaped alone to tell thee. Second bad news, verse 17. While he was yet speaking, there came also another. And so the Chaldeans made out three bands, fell upon the camels, and have carried them away, yea, and slain the servants with the edge of the sword. I only am escaped alone to tell thee. While he was yet, third bad news, fourth, coming on, coming on now. While he was yet speaking, there came also another and said, Thy sons and thy daughters were eating and drinking wine in their eldest brother's house. 
house. And behold, there came a great wind from the wilderness, smote the four corners of the house, and it fell upon the young men, and they are dead. And I only am escaped alone to tell thee. My friend, this is what Satan did. God allowed it. God, God did. I mean, even the fire from heaven, Satan attacked on many levels. And what is he trying to do? He's looking at Job and says, hey, and he says this to God. Listen, God, if you, if you hold back your hand, if you take away all these good things he's possessing, listen, Job is going to curse you to your face. That's what Satan said earlier in the chapter. he curse you to your face. He's thinking, oh, man, I'm going to get Job. I wonder how often Satan thinks, oh, I'm going to get that member of FBC. I'm going to get that member. I know just what to do. I know just how to do it. I know where to hit them at. I know what's going to get them to cause them to let go of the truth they're holding on, the truth that God has been good to me. I know what's going to take. You know what's amazing to me? Satan did all of that, and yet Job did not give in. He held on. He held on to truth, he held on to God, and he held back his emotions. He wasn't going for it. And I believe that Satan was taken aback. I believe that Satan was furious. I believe that Satan couldn't believe it. He was taken aback, and, and man, he is fuming. And there's a second time, I, bit, I believe, a bit sheepish, because uh, he was put off by the hanging on attitude and, and effort put forth by Job, uh, Job's character, so he comes before God, a little sheepishly, and he wants to throw more at Job. The details are found for us in chapter 2, verse number 3. You notice it, and the Lord said unto Satan, Hast thou considered my servant Job? There is none like him in the earth, a perfect and an upright man, one that feareth God and escheweth evil. And still, notice this, and still he, what's the next word? Holdeth fast his integrity. Man, he's holding he holdeth fast his integrity, although thou movest me against him to destroy him without cause. I'll reference that in a moment, so hang on to that. I think there's something there. And so that next round of oppression begins. What does it culminate in, or what is it expressed in? Well, look at verse 7. So went Satan forth from the presence of the Lord and smote Job with sore boils. From the sole of his foot unto his crown. I'll tell you, you add a little bit more. You know, some of us, uh, some of us have said this, and that's a dangerous statement. I don't think I can take much more. Problems and heartaches and trials and struggles. Man, be careful, because I, I think sometimes Satan has good ears. You know, sometimes our children have too good of ears. They hear everything you say or something like that. And, hey, Satan has good ears, I think. He likes to throw a little bit more at you. He sees you hanging on to truth. He sees you hanging on to God. He sees you hanging back emotions, holding them back and, and feelings and not being oriented by those. And he throws more. Now listen to me. Understand this. We see what happens. For Job's wife, this was too much. I would submit to you, I believe she's already had an emotional, feeling-oriented outburst after the events of chapter 1, though we haven't seen it. We don't see it in the Scriptures. That's just my conjecture. I believe she already has. I think it's in keeping with her character on display in chapter 2. But may I say this? Don't ever underestimate emotions and feelings this morning. They are powerful. They can run away with you. Look at Job's wife. Look at verse 9. Then said his wife unto him, Dost thou still retain, and you and I could write in there, hang on, 
Dost thou still retain, isn't it interesting she says this, thine integrity? What did God say about Job? He holdeth fast his what? Integrity. Truth. His faith and trust in God, what he knows about God and what he believes, he's hanging on to it. And his wife looks at him and says, come on. You're still hanging on to that? If I could put it in other terms, I think maybe she said something to this effect. Honey, why are you still holding on? God has cursed you. He's turned his back on you and us. There's no reason to keep blessing God and praising him. Keep on thanking him for the little you have left over. Life is over. We've lost it all. There's no reason to go on living. I'm going back to bed. I can just imagine Job's wife pulling the covers back over her head like we talked about last week. Being overwhelmed. Listen, you, you see the emotion, the, the, the feeling-oriented, uh, man, I've lost everything. This is terrible. It's gone all wrong. This is the most bad day I've ever had. And boy, the emotions and the feelings are just controlling her and moving her. And her response is this. Stop trusting in God. Let go of that truth. Curse God and die. My goodness. She literally has thrown out the truth. Oh, she's thrown out the truth. She's forgotten totally that first truth that God uh, is good, has been greatly good to them, his goodness. But he's all, she's also thrown out the second truth that, that Job is obviously clinging to. What's that second truth? It's this. I have found God to be always faithful. I have found God to be always faithful faithful can i tell you what job communicates in these first two chapters is listen satan you you can take my camels you can take my sheep you can even cause the house to fall down on my children but god is still faithful you can take my health you can cover me from boils from the sole of my feet to the crown of my head but god is still faithful and so he had been these were two truths now don't miss it that anchored job so that he could face any storm. It, these truths and several others we'll see in a moment help him to overcome these very difficult days. Now let's consider for a moment. Let's go in a different direction as we come back here in a moment. But let's go in a different direction. Talk about uh, the fact that hanging on to truth strengthens our hold on God and helps us to hold back. So truth is the most important thing here. Interesting, in John chapter 17, we've seen it before, verse 17, God says, thy word is truth. Christ says, uh, speak, thy word is truth. So if I'm going to hang on to truth, I've got to get truth somewhere, and God's word is. It's not just the source of truth, it is truth. Thy word is truth. Now don't miss it here. It's why truth the truth of God's Word is paramount to everything we do at Fostoria Baptist Church. It's why the highlight of every service is the preaching and the teaching of God's Word. Because that's the truth. See, sometimes we can get caught up in feelings and emotions. Boy, I, I, I need this emotion. I need these feelings stroked. And I, I need to feel better. And, and we, why don't we do this? Why don't we have this for uh, just kind of meet the needs as we might think of our emotions and so forth. May I just submit to you, and, and some of you are going to take this wrong, and since it's on live streaming, I'm sure there'll be record of it. We don't exist at Fostoria Baptist Church to make you feel better. The church does not exist. We are not a feel-better organization. We don't. 
We don't plan the services. Pastor Aaron and I don't get together this week. How can we make everybody feel better when they come in? We don't do that. But I will tell you this. You know what is the paramount? What is our focus? How can we give you and I the truth that we can hang on to? That'll get us through a day. That'll get us through a week. That'll get us through life, helping us be overcomers, not overwhelmed. See, I don't think it's a good start, and forgive me, but I think this is true. I, I watched a video this week, and, and a Christian apologetic uh, apolog- uh, a person who's an apologist uh, was arguing or just making a point. He said this. He goes, why is it that in some of our churches, and I would dare say some of those more seeker-sensitive churches, uh, sometimes you have a worship leader who gets up in the beginning of service, how's everybody feeling? Can I tell you that's a horrible way to start out a service? Because the reality is this. It doesn't matter how you're feeling, and the reality is, even greater, most of you, some of you, had a bad morning. You don't feel great. And if we're resting or basing our worship of God and what I'm going to get out of a service on my emotions and my feelings, we're in trouble. Because some of you didn't have a good night's sleep. It's already showing. No, just kidding. Some of you had a terrible morning. Your breakfast got burned. Your car didn't start. The tire went flat. Your kids had a dirty diaper after you got them dressed. Some of you tripped over the dog, and you don't even have a dog. It was terrible, bad. You come in. How are you feeling? I feel terrible. And my friend, that'll carry over into your worship until, until you get back focused on what? Truth. You come back, you get focused on truth, you get anchored. What's the word? You get anchored on the truth of God's word. It's why the songs that we sing, they're not sung to get you emotionally worked up, to appease your feelings. No, the reason we sing what we sing is the truth found therein. We want it to impart truth because, my friend, I can make you feel better But that will only last till you make it out to your car and it won't start. You get home and find that lunch is burnt. Something else goes wrong. Isn't that true? Feelings and emotions. But you know what truth is? Constant. It's constant. So what are we going to hang on to, friends? You got Job. Job says, I'm going to hang on to truth. You got his wife, and she's hanging on to emotions and, and feelings and everything else. My friend, reality is what we are trying to do is impart truth in as much as we can. Here's the, tr- here's the reality, too. The more truth you hang on to, can I submit to you, the better you'll feel. It, it, it'll affect your emotions. In fact, I think it's a great statement. I think it's good for you and I and, uh, as Christians to tell our emotions regularly. Emotions, you're coming with me. I'm not following you. You're not controlling me. You're coming with me, and we're going to follow after truth. We're going to cling to truth. Feelings can come along. Feelings can be impacted and influenced. Let's impact them and influence them with the truth. You know, the fact is this. As we come in here this morning, do not miss it. And I think this is foundational for why we gather together as a church. You know what we need this morning? I need the truth. You need the truth. We need something we can hang on to. We need to hear this morning that God is good. God is faithful. 
God is loving. God is trustworthy. He is your good shepherd. He is never far from you. He is touched and moved by your infirmities. He's moved by your difficulties. And I would submit to you the verse we read that Satan has come to God. God has said to Satan, listen, hey, you moved me against Job and you have caused me to destroy him without cause. You know what I think that demonstrates? God's heart was touched, was moved by what Job had, was going through. Though God knew it was best for him, can I tell you, sometimes I know it's difficult as a parent giving a child a shot or giving them medicine or giving something that's good for them that's not enjoyable, doesn't feel good. You know what? I believe that God's heart is moved the exact same way. He may allow a trial. He may allow difficulty in your life knowing that the trial of your faith worketh patience and everything else. And yet it moves his heart. His heart is touched by it. And I believe his heart was hurting even for Job. But what was Job? My friend, Job was a perfect and upright man. There was none like him on earth who feared God and eschewed evil. You say, okay, why, why are you bringing that back up? Because here's the point. You know that statement about Job? You know what it tells us? These are all outcomes of truth-focused living. There is a pattern, there is a character to Job, not just during a storm, but even long time before, he was hanging on to truth. You say, what kind of truth do we find there? Well, the fact is this. He was perfect and upright because he was hanging on the truth that a holy God deserves holy living. I'm going to be upright because my God is righteous. My God is holy. My God deserves it. So he was hanging on to that truth. You know, my friend, he was also one who feared God. Why? Because he hung on to this truth. God is worthy. God is worthy. And he deserves my rightful respect. So he reverenced God. Literally, the idea of fearing God. He reverenced God. He respected God. He knew he was all-powerful. He respected it. He reverenced it. He hung on to that truth. You don't fear God unless you hang on to the truth that God is worthy of fearing. He's worthy of respect and reverence and honor. Joe hung on to that. And then I love this last statement. He hated evil. He eschewed evil. Why? Because he hung on to the truth uh, of what was in the heart of God. God is righteous, holy, just, and God has a hatred for evil. And so, friend, Job hung on to that truth. What he knew about God to be truth, he hung on to it. That's why he's hanging on to all these truths. He's hanging on to him, and Satan can throw everything but the kitchen sink at him, and it doesn't move him. Job was still blessing the name of the Lord. Look at chapter 1, verse 21 and 22 again. He said, Naked came I out of my mother's womb. Naked shall I return thither. And the Lord gave, and the Lord hath taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Verse 12, 22, And all this Job sinned not, nor charged God foolishly. He didn't charge God. He didn't complain about the life that God had given him, the circumstances that he was now facing. He didn't blame God for what had happened. He didn't put fault on God. He didn't question the truth that he knew. He didn't sin in action. In chapter 2, verse 10, says this, he didn't sin with his lips. He didn't say something against the reality of the truth. He didn't say something against God. He did not sin with his lips. And I love a verse number 10 that we read a moment ago. Did you catch it? Job's wife says, oh, just give it up. Stop hanging on to that truth. Hanging on to your integrity. Curse God and die. And then what was Job's response? Verse 10, but he said unto her, thou speakest as one of the foolish women speaketh. Probably not the best thing for a marriage, but they were going through a good time. 
difficult time, not a good time, right? He says, you're, you're speaking like a foolish person. You know what they say? Don't miss this. You know what he's saying? Your emotions are speaking. You ever there? Your emotions are speaking. Hey, listen, you're operating you're off of feelings. Your feelings are oriented right now. Be careful. Don't say anything. Don't do anything. Don't, don't act in that way. Don't, no, no, no. Get back to hanging on truth because that is a foolish way to live. We know people like that who they only operate off of emotions. And so they're all over this, all through life. They're not hanging on to consistent truth. And he looks at his wife and says, listen, that's foolish. That's foolish. May I submit to you, Job was still hanging on to the truth. He still had an anchor that kept his soul steadfast and sure through the, though the billows rolled. Fastened to the rock, which cannot move. Grounded firm and deep in the Savior's love. Great hymn, great testimony to Job. He had an anchor. That anchor was the truth of God and God's Word. God Himself. It's interesting as we consider it. Is there any greater truth that you can cling to than the love of God and its continual display in your life and mine? Think with me. Okay, The picture here is even the hymn, but also I certainly of what Job. He had an anchor. And think of a boat on a sea or something or a, a lake. And it has an anchor, and the anchor is keeping it steadfast. So, so no matter what happens, if, if the sea or the lake is calm or the, the, the tempests are raging, the waves are coming in, the fact is it's going to remain steadfast and sure. Oh, it may get beaten up a little by the waves, but it's staying right there. It's steadfast. And friend, you and I may get beat up a little bit. I like the term that Paul, he was buffeted. We may get buffeted. We may get beat up a little bit. We may get punched around by life. But I'll tell you, we have an anchor that is steadfast and sure. Though the billows rage, our God and His great love can be our anchor. And I want to tell you, no matter what tumultuous waves and storms that you find yourself in the middle of, there is only one anchor that will hold steadfast, and that is truth. Emotions and feelings won't do that for you. Now listen, hey, hey, listen, get this. Job, Job found that by experience himself. Chapters 1 and 2, it's fantastic. But you get into chapter 3 and following, we see a crack in the wall, a, a, a little hole in the armor, if we may describe it as such. Have you ever had a good day as a Christian where you're hanging on to truth and yet it was followed by the next day, emotions ran away with you? Or a good week and then the next week, your emotions were just all over and they were controlling you and moving you. And, and hey, Job faced that. I, I honestly, truly believe it and we'll see it here. Uh, I think there were some emotions and feelings that ran away with him. For him, it was through the influence of grief and friends that this took place. Look at chapter 2. Look at verse 13, if you will, with me. So they sat down with him. These are friends. They sat down with him upon the ground seven days, seven nights. None spake a word unto him, for they saw that his grief was very great. Look at chapter 3, verse 1. Notice this, and we're going to read a lot, so let, pay attention, follow along. After this opened uh, Job his mouth and cursed his day. And Job spake and said, Let the day perish when I was born. And the night in which it was said, There's a man-child conceived. Let that day be darkness. Let not God regard it from above. 
Neither let the light shine upon it. Let darkness and the shadow of death stain it. Let a cloud dwell upon it. Let the blackness of the day terrify it. As for that night, let darkness seize upon it. Let it not be joined unto the days of the year. Let it not come into the number of the months. Lo, let not that night be solitary. Let no joyful voice come therein. Let them curse it that curse the day, who are ready to raise up their unmourning. Let the stars of the twilight therefore thereof be dark. Let it look for light, but have none. Neither let it see the dawning of the day, because it shut. Sh- not up the doors of my mother's womb, nor hid sorrow from mine eyes. Why died I not from the womb? Why did I not give up the ghost when I came out of the belly? Why did the knees prevent me? Or why the breast that I should have sucked? For now should I have lain still and been quiet. I should have slept and had been at rest. I had been at rest with kings and counselors of the earth, which built desolate places for themselves, or with princes that had gold who filled their houses with silver. Or as in hidden, untimely birth, I had not seen as infants which never saw light. There the wicked cease from troubling, and there the weary be at rest. There the prisoners rest together. They hear not the voice of the oppressor. The small and greater there, the servant is free from his master. Wherefore is light given to him that is in misery, and life unto the bitter in soul, which long for death, but it cometh not, and dig for it more than for hid treasures, which rejoice exceedingly and are glad when they can find the grave. Why is light given to a man whose way is hid and to whom God hath hedged in? For my sighing cometh before I eat, and my roarings are poured out like the waters. For the thing which I greatly feared is come upon me, and that which I was afraid of is come unto me. And I was not in safety, neither had I rest, neither was I quiet, yet trouble came. If you and I were going over off of emotions and feelings, you know what we feel right now? Boy, he's depressing. Listening to him go on, and man, I, I, I've jokingly said something like Job. I probably shouldn't, but I've said that cursed be the day I was, di- I, I was born. That's what he's saying. Cursed be the day I was born. Oh, that it wasn't. Why didn't, they, why didn't I just die after that? I mean, whoa, 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 Job, what happened? What took place in seven days sitting, dwelling upon your grief, not hanging on to the truth, looked what happened to Job. We see a man who, truth be told, emotions and feelings have taken up residency on the throne. Truth has been tossed out the window. You can sense a woe is me depression sitting in on Job's spirit and heart. He's cursing the day he was born. He's wishing that that day, note it, never happened, which is kin to wishing you were dead. He stopped holding on to truth. He stopped holding on to God. And therefore, he was unable to hold back emotions. He, let go, he, let, he lets go of God's truth, the goodness of God, time and time again that it happened in his life. He lets go of that anchor. I would submit to you, I think there's several other truths, not only the fact that, that God has frequently been good to me, not, God has always been faithful to me, there's several other truths he let go of. You know what he let go of? God is still in control. See, when you and I get emotionally ran and emotionally based living, we give in, let them run away with us, our emotional feeling, we lose sight, lose hold of the truth that God is still in control. You know what else we lose, uh, can handle on? We let go of the fact that God has a plan and purpose in everything. Nothing gets by him. Nothing surprises him. He didn't in Job chapter 2 say, whoa, what happened? Satan did that? I didn't know it. That didn't happen. He has a plan and purpose for everything. Not only that, but 
The fact is this. He let go of the truth that his own life was ordained by God and served a purpose. If God brought you into this world and he has a plan and purpose, shame on you and I for wanting to take ourselves out of it prematurely. Okay. If you and I are wishing for death and we even entertain in depression and emotionally controlled the idea of taking our own life, what we have done, we've let go of this truth that God gave me life and God has a purpose and plan for it. There's another truth. The fact is this. Um, he let go of this truth. His life wasn't a mistake and should be undone. Now, I want to submit to you in light of common culture today and political nature and things, no life is a mistake. Do you hear me? No life is a mistake. It's ordained by God. And no life should be undone unless it is biblically done so. Joe Wall side of it. Oh, man, cursed be the day I was born. I wish, why did, why did they let me come out of my mother's room? Why? Come on, Job. You're not operating on truth. You're not responding and embracing a truth. You know what he also lost sight of? And I think we often do this. It's easy to. We let go of the truth that God is bigger than any trouble. This chapter and the ones that follow in his discourse with his so-called friends is full of the emotional roller coaster. Sometimes you see Job coming back to the truth of God. Sometimes he's back up here and one of his friends says something that gets him all angry and mad and he says something else he shouldn't love and emotions and feelings. It's, it's crazy. And uh, those emotions wreak havoc and often he speaks. And have you ever said something in emotions? You're like, man, I wish I hadn't said that. I think, I think that was it with Job. And, and I'll be honest with you, we find ourselves doing the same thing as he did. And I really believe this. After chapter 2... The next 40 chapters of Job, you know why God, I believe, put them in there? So you and I would understand that Job is a real person. That it's a constant struggle for us, and we have to work at holding on to the truth. When I sense in myself, I'm starting to think with my emotions, and I'm starting to be feeling oriented in my actions, I've got to get back to saying, hey, there's truth I need to hang on to. There's truth I need to grab and I need to operate by. And I honestly believe that God was teaching us something. So let's make it personal. Let's put ourselves in Job's shoes for just a moment. May I ask you three questions to make it personal? Number one, did you stop holding on to truth this week? In what other circumstance, difficulty, storm you found yourself in, did you stop holding on to truth? Did you embrace emotions instead or something else? Or you just lost sight that God is bigger than my trouble. God has always been faithful. You know what? I am going through a difficult time, but God has been so very good to me, and that outweighs any bad that I could face. Did you let go? This week, did you let go? Did you say, you know what, my life is a mistake. These things happen. There's, there's no plan or purpose to what's going on. It's just, I am so unlucky. You say that. You're letting go of truth. So it leads us to do this, unfortunately. Did you then stop holding on to God this week? I'll tell you a good way to tell. Did you pray? You're constantly hanging on every day. Did you have an attitude of prayer daily? Moment by moment? Were you in his word? Did you study God's word? Did you, did you say, I, boy, I need truth for today, not just Sunday, not just Wednesday night. I, I need truth. I, I need something I can glean and grab onto and hang onto to hold me on through life. And then, friend, did you stop holding back your emotions? Did you allow them to run away with you? I may have died here. 
There you go. Do you stop holding back your emotions? Do they run away with you in one way or the other? Did you tell your emotions this week, you're coming with me? We're following after truth. We're hanging on to it. Or did emotions say to you, you're coming with me? I'm going to take you for a trip. What's going to be your anchor this upcoming week? Hey, you want to be free from the controlling power and influence of your emotions and feelings? You say, Pastor Henry, I just get so worked up. I just, man, I just, when, when I go through something, my emotions just run away. I understand. You know, we all have them, and at times there can be even things inside of us that affect that. I get it. I understand that. But you know the reality is this, that God has enabled you and I to be free from anything. See, how's that? John chapter 8 and verse 31, 32. If you continue in my word, then are you my disciples indeed, and ye shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. Isn't that great truth? That truth, if we hang on to it, it can free us from the control of emotions. And here, here's a great ending to the story. Don't you love stories with good endings? Because this has it. Turn with me to Job chapter 42. Real quick, Job chapter 42. Notice what transpires at the end. After all these chapters of the emotional roller coaster, sometimes going back to truth, sometimes getting caught up in feelings and emotions to what had transpired in his life, the circumstances, the difficulties. Notice this. Uh, it could be for you and I the very same thing. Job 42, look at verse 1 through 6. Then Job answered and said, I know that thou canst do everything. Woo! Job is getting back to some truth. Job answered the Lord and said, I know that thou canst do everything, and that no thought can be withholden from thee. Who is he that hideth counsel without knowledge? Therefore have I uttered that I understood not. Man, what a confession. I'm not operating by truth, what I understand. No, I'm going off emotions and feelings. And oh my goodness, notice he continues. Here I beseech thee, and I will speak. I will demand of thee, and declare thou unto me. I have heard of thee by the hearing of ear, but now mine eye seeth thee. Wherefore, I abhor myself and repent in dust and in ashes. Man, what a change. He's come to his senses spiritually. He's understood, wait a second. I've got to get back to holding on to truth. I've got to push back those emotions and put them where they need to be. And I love what he states in verse 2. He says what? Notice it. He says this. I know these things to be true. What is that? That's truth. I know it. These things are true, and I'm going to glean these and hold on to them and hang on to them. These things are, I know this, so I'm hanging on to it. Number two, he says this. I was foolish to question them. I was foolish to allow my emotions... It's interesting, isn't it? What he called his wife who acted emotionally? Foolish. And here he is, as we see in these, he's basically saying, I'm foolish too. I made a mistake. I am foolish to question them. And then he truly repents. Verse number six, he repents of his emotional and feeling-oriented state. And so what do we have? We have Job grabbing a hold of truth and God, and he hangs on once again. Now, how did he come back to this point of hanging on truth no matter? So notice, unto this point, he is still without everything. He's lost everything. He's still in the midst of the storm, if you want to put it this way. Well, may I submit to you a confirmation of what we've already seen. He got back to this point through God's word, exposure to it, and God himself. Look at chapter 38, and we're done. Notice it, chapter 38. Then the Lord answered Job the first time he spoke to Job out of the whirlwind and said who is this that darkeneth counsel by words without knowledge 
And notice the statement, verse 3, Gird up now thy loins like a man, for I will demand of thee and answer thou me. Verse 4, Where wast thou when I laid the foundations of the earth? Declare if thou hast understanding. Who hath laid the measure thereof, or if thou knowest, and who hath stretched the line upon it? Whereupon are the foundations thereof answered? Or who, uh, who laid the cornerstone thereof when the morning stars sang together and all the sons of God shouted for joy? Or who shut up the sea with doors wherein it break forth as it has issued out of the womb? When I made the cloud the garment thereof and the thick darkness a swaddling band for it and break up for it my decreed place and set bars and doors and said, Hitherto shalt thou come, but no further. And here shall thy proud waves be stayed. Hast thou commanded the morning since thy days and caused the day spring to know its place that it might take hold of the ends of the earth that the wicked might be shaken out of it? It is turned as clay to the seal and from the wicked, oh, excuse me, and they stand as a garment. And from the wicked their light is withholden and the high arm shall be broken. Verse 16. Hast thou entered into the springs of the sea or hast thou walked in the search of the death? Have the gates of death been opened upon thee, unto thee or hast thou seen the doors of the shadow of death? Verse 18 we finish. Hast thou perceive the breadth of the earth declare if thou knowest it all <laughs> you talking about put, being put in your place it goes on three chapters too i wish we had time to read it we don't he looks at Job. says Job, let me remind you of a few things and you know what came flooding back to job's mind throughout these three chapters who god is truth of god and we get to chapter 42 Okay, God, I'm sorry. I need to get back to holding on to truth. I'm sorry. I abhor myself. I repent of my emotions and feelings running away with me. I'm sorry I gave in. God, get me back to daily hanging on to truth. Solomon, the wisest man who ever lived, and I think he said it well, he, he put it in a verse. He used a synonym for truth. He used the, the synonym instruction. And uh, first of all, understand that extensive exposure to the Word of God and the God of the Word sets Job straight, as it does for all of us. If you're emotion-driven, if you're feelings-oriented right now, get in God's Word. Get in the truth. Spend time with God. But Solomon, he used a synonym for instruction. I think it is a good way to end our sermon, our synonym for truth. He said this in Proverbs chapter 4, verse 13. Take fast hold of instruction. Let her not go. Keep her, for she is thy life. Can I challenge you? Take fast hold of truth. Rob Gursky hung on to that hang glider and the instructor for dear life. Can I encourage you to hang on to something much better, the truth of God's Word? It will help you. It will encourage you. It will make you an overcomer and not overwhelmed. Father, we thank you for your Word. And Lord, the truths of it from the beginning to the end, we thank you that thy Word is truth. And thy truth is what we need to hang on on a daily basis. Father, you know my heart. You know who I am. And you know that I readily fail you. Lord, I pray you'd help each one of us to repent of our failures. We may be given in to circumstances and emotions and feelings, and we've let go of certain truths about you, and our mind hasn't made that our focus. Lord, help us to get back to that point and to hang on to these truths. Lord, you know every heart here. You know what every day this week has held for each one of us. You know what lies ahead. So encourage us right now in this invitation. Challenge us, Father. Convict us where we have allowed our emotions to run away with us. Lord, help us to enter into confession first and foremost. And then, Father, may we cry out to you for help. And may we make that commitment and 
Lord, to make sure that we're hanging on to truth. May we make a commitment to being in your word, which is truth. And Father, in the next few days, I pray, in the next few weeks and months, I pray that as the waves come, as the storms come upon us, as circumstances and difficulties happen, heartaches and sorrows, I pray we'd be found hanging on to truth, hanging on to you, and holding back our emotions. Lord, may your children reflect you in a wondrous way. With heads bowed and eyes.